Recently, I was in, uh, appeared in a YouTube video by Peter Santanello, who has quite a large following and a large, uh, you know, number of views for each of his videos on YouTube. I have a, a, a tiny, teeny, tiny YouTube channel, which I hadn't even done anything with for two years. I'm an audio guy. I'm an audio podcast guy. And for all of us who are in those videos, we've seen a lot of action. Uh, our, our email inboxes and any media we have kind of blew up a little bit. And we are very grateful to Peter for that. But it also gives me an opportunity to talk about reactivating my own YouTube channel and rehashing, rediscussing, updating some of the stuff we talked about when it comes to Nomad Life. We will do that. Podcast 1098, the Bob Davis Podcasts. Spring, 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 and now the sun is out. And now it is starting to get warm in the upper Midwest. It is time for people to get on their gardens. And if this is you, I want to recommend GardenGurusMN.com. They can help you prepare your garden, get it ready, and prep it so that you can do the fun stuff, which is the planting. They can also do your garden. They can do real estate staging and uh, they do corporate clients as well. GardenGurusMN.com, great company to have. Uh, I've, I've been wanting a landscape client for a long time. I'm really happy with these guys at GardenGuruMN. Check them out online at GardenGuruMN.com. I am coming up on a little bit of a turning point anyway in uh, the podcast business with just we are just one shy of 1,100, 1,100 podcasts. Been podcasting since 2009. If you've been listening, you know I took a break. I started podcasting because I was unemployed. I, I got fired because that's what happens in radio. <laughs> and I was out for, I don't know, a couple of years. And then I got a job in 2011 or something. And then in 2013, I got fired again, and I decided I don't think this is going to work. I don't think this is going to work anymore. And I, I, my plan here is not to talk about radio, it's to talk about Nomad experience, but I got to give you some backstory. And if you've been listening for a while, you're like, why are you giving me this backstory? The reason is there's probably a lot of new people coming in to listen to the podcast. So I, I'm providing a little bit of backstory for people uh, at, here, sitting here at 2.30 in the morning doing this podcast at the cabin. And you'll hear the heat cycling on and off throughout this podcast and the and the echo of the you know the the gabled ceilings in this place. It's an old uh, cabin built in the twenties. I'm doing it because I appeared in this video by Peter Santanello. Peter's YouTube channel is huge. A number of us uh, out in Quartzsite uh, this winter appeared in the video. He didn't post it for a long time because it had to go through edit and. His wife does the editing, and she really liked the whole Nomad Land experience. She's from the Ukraine, and people in Europe, I think especially, but there's obvious reasons why this idea of freedom and this idea of uh, being able to see as far as the eye can see, let's say, on top of a hill or something, I think really appeals to people from Europe at this time for a lot of reasons. And she really put her heart and soul into editing this video, and I think it had an awful lot of impact because there are other people in this country who also uh, are really uh, enthralled by the idea of the freedom of being a nomad and what it all means. So I tell this, this backstory so people understand podcasting since 2009, left for a while, kind of took a break at about 56 or 57 podcasts, started doing uh, morning radio, which took up all of my time 
And then uh, in 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 uh, 2013, I got fired again. So I started podcasting in earnest in 2013. That continued for quite some time until tw- the summer of 2020, when I decided that it was time to really completely repot myself and change my approach to what I was doing. I talked a lot about politics in a good way, I thought, as a podcaster. Changed the way I communicated from being on the radio to doing uh, podcasting. And the thing about podcasting is it takes you from one place to another. And I think this is one of the differences between uh, YouTube and and podcasting. With podcasting, it's almost a self-exploration. You, you really kind of have to do it for yourself as opposed to, quote-unquote, the audience. I got to the point in 2020 where I felt that what I was doing was just was just the same thing over and over again for a lot of reasons, and I thought I got I got to repot. I decided that I was going to go out on the road permanently, and I dumped everything, sold everything, went out on the road in my 2000 Ford ambulance, and three years later, roughly, that took me to the for the second or third time in a row, Quartzsite, Arizona, where everybody goes in the winter. As one of the guys in the video described it, it's the new Florida. Just loved it. Still love it. Think it's great. And I still don't have a place to live. Uh, I'm all over the country. And right now I'm in Wisconsin because I, we had a death in the family, came up here from Quartzsite long before the video ever posted, was doing all the things that you do with the family. I'm up in this cabin and uh, I I um, I got a note that said, hey, that video posted. My friend Robert sent me, hey, the, the Peter Santanello video posted and, uh, you know, you should check it out. And boom, after that, we I started to get all these responses. And that's when I decided I'm going to have to restart the, um, I'm going to have to restart the YouTube channel. And I'll talk a little bit about that. But if you are coming into the podcast because of the Peter Santanello stuff, then, you know, you welcome. And that's why I did the quick review about how I got here in the first place. And it, that is all apparent in the, in, the, in the podcast, especially when I was barnstorming all over the country until high fuel prices brought me down in Quartzsite, where uh, in frustration with fuel prices, I said, I'm not going anywhere. I'm just going to sit here all winter. And when you're sitting, then you really have to dig deep for content. And I did. And I do, I, I do a lot of, I don't know, I talk a lot about the mindset and the, and the mental processes involved with doing this because I'm going through it. Uh, I have to go back over 1,100 podcasts to make sure that I'm not covering the same ground I covered in the same way in some podcast 400 podcasts ago. Believe me. That gets to be a bit difficult because you got an awful lot of episodes up, and you, it's hard to remember what I've done what I haven't done. Being a nomad is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing, so I'm talking about what I'm doing. Because my philosophy is that in order to really be to be good at podcasting, uh, I think being real, being truly authentic is uh, is the key because this is very one-to-one. This type of, the particularly audio podcasting, is very much a, a very one-to-one uh, medium. I'm speaking to you, one person at a time. Now, this podcast may have thousands of listeners, but I'm speaking to each listener, one person at a time. You can't fake that. You can't play a role. And you can't talk as though you're talking to multitudes with this kind of medium. Because if you do, 
it's not going to have the same impact, and I wouldn't want to do it. I've always believed from the time when I started radio, which was very unusual, I, I always believed in being very real, being authentic. So speak in your mind and being real about it. There's a bit of realism that's lost. There's a bit, a bit of authenticity that is lost in any uh, electronic transfer of information, even, as I said in a previous, po- previous podcast, when you have to use language. A bit of your authenticity is lost because what you're thinking has to be has to be put into words, much less spoken, much less spoken while paying attention to time and thinking about what you're going to say next. But uh, I try to talk about the things that are important to me. And so because I was doing the nomad thing, fascinated with the nomad thing, fascinated with the idea of cutting everything off. And as I said in the Peter Santanello video about uh, life off the grid, when he said, well, what do you get out of this? And I said, freedom, freedom, freedom. So having the freedom is, is, was, is and was remains extremely important to me. Even when I'm sitting still, even when I'm in Wisconsin at the cabin waiting for it to get warm so I can go down on the flat by the lake, uh, even when I'm out in the desert, um, trying to think about if there's someplace else I want to go. I'm still really enthused, excited, and enthralled by the ability to cut everything loose, stop paying rent, stop paying electric, go out and live in the desert, or go out and live in the forest, or go and travel all the time, and the problems that uh, that come from that. And the topics really unfold and unfold and unfold and unfold. And if you're not doing this, then it kind of sounds like the same thing to me. And and, and I get that. But uh, when you are doing it, and when this is what you're doing, then talking about what you're doing and what you're passionate about is that's what we do. That's what podcasters do or should do, in my opinion. That's what you do if you're a writer. Uh, you you write with 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 the things that you can't create with a, an a, a, an attitude of saying I'm going to talk about stuff that's topical because it has to be talked about because the rule is to talk about topical stuff. That's why I got out of radio because I don't want to talk about topic, topical stuff. I don't want to talk about you know pop culture unless I want to talk about pop culture. So that's why I talk about the nomad experience and nomad life, or as he put it. Uh, life off the grid. Uh, welcome to the people that are are listening and saying, "Hey, you know, this. Uh, I just found your YouTube channel. Peter sent me over. Thank you, and thanks, Peter. Thanks to your wife for that fantastic editing. And he just put up another piece about what it's like to live in an ambulance that I just saw. I haven't had a chance to watch. So I wanted to throw up this podcast as quickly as possible to kind of to kind of rediscuss and and revisit some of the many things that both. The stuff we talked about in the video, so my friend Robert, my friend Mike, and I kind of were the three musketeers that he talked to because he rolled up that day and was like, I, I can't really, where do I find nomads? I'm having a little trouble. Can we get some help? Probably a little bit of a ploy to get us to talk. But you wouldn't have had any problem getting in any of us to talk anyway. And we had a good time. We, we talked about all kinds of things. So, so I'm going to talk about some of the stuff we talked about as well. In, uh, in the second half of this podcast. But before we get to that, you know, I just want to say that Peter inspired me to re-energize and to reintroduce the Bob Davis Podcast YouTube channel. So the, the video that I just did recently, so there's a short 
And there was a longer video, nine, I don't know what it was, five, six minutes or something like that, that I posted as soon as I knew that there was going to be a reaction to, and people were coming into my website, coming into my feeds, uh, and coming to my, they were going to come to my YouTube channel. Most nomads watch YouTube. Uh, I know that people listen to audio podcasts, but I think uh, in general, most of us spend a lot of time on our phones and and we, we watch a lot of YouTube. So I knew that people are going to be watching YouTube, and I thought I got to get I got to get something up. I also just got a new phone, a little bit better camera, and I always swore I am not doing YouTube unless I can make a full commitment to you know getting a good camera, getting an editor, and doing all this this way. And then I thought I can't wait for that. I've got I've got to just do it. So I did a short video from the cabin, and then I did another video, uh, a short that I put up on Instagram. I hadn't posted anything on YouTube since, uh, well, it had been almost two years since I'd posted anything on YouTube. And what I did post on YouTube was really uh, sparing shorts anyway. And I used the YouTube channel most of the time for other stuff. So I did a business networking meeting and you had to do these two-minute updates. Uh, and so I I would do two-minute updates and I put them, on, put them up on YouTube and then send those guys the link so that they could show the video when I wasn't there. And that's what I used it for. So now I, I'm, I'm re-enthused and, 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 and energized about putting up uh, videos. And this is what I'm going to do with my YouTube channel to let people know that I've done a new audio podcast because I'm still extremely committed to audio and, and uh, to this medium. Usually after I finish it, I'm like, there's a bunch of stuff I should have said. I should have said that. I should have said this. I should, And sometimes I'll put it in the blog at thebobdavispodcast.com. There's a blog. Underneath the blog is a player. You can listen to the podcast, read the blog. There's all kinds of outbound links uh, germane to the stuff that I've been talking about. And then there's also streaming audio. So that plays the last three podcasts, right? So it plays the last, whatever is current, last three podcasts. I'm going to use the the YouTube video to uh, to do some long-form stuff so 20 to 30 minutes talking about the podcast I, I made and maybe mentioning a few things that I didn't mention in the podcast so that you can listen to both. So if you, you watch YouTube, you can listen to the podcast that I'm going to do sort of an update. And this is what I did in the podcast. This is what I talked about. You can also listen to the podcast and it's two different. It's going to be two different pieces of content. So that's what we're going to do with the YouTube channel initially is I will post. So if you don't get the audio podcast, you're still going to get the content. And sometimes the YouTube content will be better than the audio content because I will have been able to think about it a little bit. And then the shorts will just let people know that uh, there's a new podcast up and this is what it's about. So let's talk a little bit about the Nomad experience and my two friends and me in Quartzsite uh, and, and the things we talked about with Peter a little bit, we'll talk about that in the second half of this podcast. Now, if you're just coming into the podcasts, again, uh, there's the video channel, that's the YouTube channel, obviously the Bob Davis Podcasts, the Instagram channel, the Bob Davis Podcast, Spotify, the Bob Davis Podcast, although that one is, there's spaces between the Bob Davis Podcasts spaces. Uh, I'm also uh, right off the page at thebobdavispodcast.com with the streaming audio I just mentioned, as well as Stitcher.com and Google Podcasts and iTunes. And the best way to help me is to um, 
subscribe to the Bob Davis podcasts uh, at iTunes. That really helps the feeds. And thank you for the subscriptions. And of course, I'll thank the people on YouTube for their you know, likes and shares and whatever subscriptions at, uh, at, at YouTube without having to make it a cliche. Another way to support what I'm doing is to send me donations. And I'm going to mention Mindy Collins, who just sent me a donation. And Mindy was especially enthused about the whole uh, podcast about a, sort of a turning point in creativity. Uh, and she recommended a TV show that I should watch. So I got to check that out. I mentioned Travis Sittard, who is a friend of mine who uh, sent me 10 bucks, and he's on one of those monthly things. So when you go to the, to the donate window at thebobdavispodcast.com, on the right-hand side of the page is a picture of Mobile Podcast Command. The ambulance underneath that is an oval. That's a donate window. takes you to PayPal. You can set up a monthly donation, or you can just give me a donation of whatever you want. I appreciate anything that you can do. It goes right in the tank, so I really appreciate that. And thank you for listening to the Bob Davis Podcast, and thanks for watching the Bob Davis Podcast YouTube. These little commercials for all of my little outlets get longer and longer and longer. It drives me crazy. And thanks for your input to, uh, to uh, Instagram as well. I'm thinking some of the stuff that Robert and Mike and I uh, discussed could be interpreted as controversial a little bit. And I, I, I want to make a point about uh, how we all feel about what we're doing and why we're doing it. And this isn't, we are not part-time RVers. I, I mentioned this a little bit in when I did the podcast about, about Nomad Rigs, that our demands and, and our needs for the type of rig that we're running are different because we've learned that uh, RVs don't do so well when they're under constant stress and constant pressure to work. Now, it doesn't, I'm not trying to say that you're wrong if you haven't. One of my friends out here, Kathy, uh, she has a Class C and it seems to work perfectly. But Kathy, she stays on top of it. And if she has a problem, she fixes it. She, she's really, you know, if she had a problem with her battery, she took care of it. If she needs to get solar, she'll get it. Uh, same with uh, Pam of the Pambulance. Uh, these are women who uh, take care of business. Sandy takes care of business. So there's a problem, they take care of it. But most of the time, the, the Nomad rigs from all the way up from clam tents and old, uh, uh, you know, uh, what do they call those little, I, I want to call them Shasta trailers, but they're not Shasta trailers. I'll forget. I forget the name of them. Uh, the bread lady had one of those. The kind of, I mean, literally, it's a bed and a chair and a bathroom, but they're great. It doesn't matter what the rig is, but uh, it's it's how how it's used and how heavily it's used that pr predicate these different uh, approaches. We don't harshly judge people necessarily that have those kinds of rigs, just like we don't harshly charge the different delineations and segments of what you could call the nomad market. There are people in their cars. There are people in tents. There are people in uh, uh, really nice RVs. There are people in old RVs. I don't need to belabor that. So when we were talking about the bus people, we were talking about the tent people, we were talking about the people in their cars, I think the concern uh, is that when people come out and they are kind of tender feet, literally, maybe they lived in the city all their life or the suburbs, and they've never camped at all, had any experience camping at all. And suddenly they're thrust out into the desert where there's coyote and there's desert rats and there's uh, those civet cats they call desert cats, which are basically um, 
uh, raccoons or a cross between a raccoon and a possum, a possum. You know, I think there's a, a level of concern because we've all come in contact with people that really are unprepared. And what happens is they think it's going to be a certain level of experience and they get out there and they have a bad time. I don't think I can say that I've had a bad day since I started doing this. And I'm different in the sense that I've been gallivanting around the country doing podcasts and taking pictures and, and documenting the trip, especially the first year, in a big way because I knew it was special and I knew that it was uh, important for me. But we don't say, hey, you shouldn't have a school bus or you shouldn't act like a hippie if you have a school bus. I think more than anything, we're just poking fun of that stuff. And then there was a genuine concern of certain people, and I'm not going to name people because I don't do that. Um, certain people who are who have become very popular on YouTube promoting the Nomad experience and, of course, the movie Nomadland, which shocked people and scared people. All of our family members, as soon as that movie came out, uh, they were like, are you okay? Do you have to eat? Do you eat out of a can? Now, I know people that eat out of a can. They don't seem to be any worse for wear. I don't particularly want to eat out of a can. I go to the Coyote in Quartzsite and buy steaks because they have the best meat in town. And I have steak and broccoli and, you know, corned beef, hash and eggs, eggs and bacon. And, and uh, we all eat very well. As Robert says, we are not savages. <laughs> so we, the most important thing is to, to remind everyone, this is fun. This is supposed to be fun. This isn't supposed to be this drug, this drag through life. It's not supposed to be this grim experience. And I looked at, first of all, I was fat. I, I mean, I have been down. I'm now focused entirely on the protein diet. And the reason that I was fat is that we got into this thing between the three of us. Really, it was me and Robert that got into this thing where we were, every time I go to the store, I'd come back with karma rolls, uh, Kringle, which is like uh, cheese. And you know what Kringle is. It's a pastry with cheese in it, like, uh, uh, you know, uh, like a croissant with cheese in it. Or some kind of, you know, a box of donuts or something like that. And then he'd show up, then he'd show up two days later with, he used to go over to Cinnabon in, uh, in Blythe and get <laughs> these cinnamon. And so we were, we would have dinner and then we'd chow down on karma rolls and it got to be ridiculous. I have followed the protein diet for a long time. And after you've done it for a long time, I lost a lot of weight. And after you've done it for a while, you can kind of ease up a little bit. But if you ease up, you're just going to gain all the weight back from the sugar and the carbs. And it's the sugar that really kills you. So I looked at myself in that video and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so I, I, I'm on the pro, I'm back on the protein diet. So the next time you see me full body on YouTube, I'm going to be like svelte. Anyway, uh, the idea was and is that it's fun. But I want to address another thing. And this is somebody who, very popular, like I said, uh, became quite famous as part of the movie No Man Land, which I feel was a really good movie. And a lot of people think it was negative and, and that it was a tragedy. But I felt that it was a, a, a message of hope. I felt that that movie, because the lady in the end, the the uh, the character that was uh, kind of the focus of the, of the movie, at the end she chose the life because she wanted to keep... Uh, traveling because of the freedom and so forth. The guy who was behind all that, aside from the director of the movie and the producers of the movie, has become really popular. And we were criticizing him 
because we see a lot of people that come out and are struggling in and camping in cars and really not prepared because someone told them this is the way that you should live. And uh, I, I will tell you, I'll give you an example. Last year, not this last winter, but the winter before, I was out at this campground called Plumosa Road. And I was out there until the rangers kicked me out and said, there's other campgrounds you can go to because you're not, you're only supposed to stay 10 days unless you go to the long-term visitor area. And they kicked me out. There was a woman who, she was a car camper and her face was black, bruised black. And I thought, well, I asked what happened to her? Did somebody beat her up or what was the story? And they said, well, she said, no, I fell down and hit my face. And uh, everyone was, she was probably about 70. And she was one of these people who had been exhorted to come out in a car. And it was, they were, the, the other women in this group, which I now refer to as the Plumosa Women's Republic, <laughs> uh, out at Plumosa Road, they were really, really concerned about her. And I'm sure she was fine, but they recommended that she go home because she needed medical care. And uh, she, they said, you know, you're, and it was, it was like a four-door Honda. It wasn't even set up like an SUV or, I mean, I know people that have um, SUVs or, or in the nine-passenger vans that are perfectly acceptable for you know doing the whole thing. You don't have to have a giant RV to do it. And this is where we get into delineations because people with really expensive RVs have a different lifestyle out there than others. And I just put it down to different people come into this with different levels of resources. If you worked, uh, if you had a if you had a business and you sold the business when you retired and you have a certain amount of money, or if you had a high-paying job, and it doesn't have to be, you know, like a, a, be a lawyer or something. You can be a union guy and have a high-paying job and have your wife be a nurse or something, and over, and you can guys can, can earn up to 200000 or more a year. Teachers, you know, do very well as they get older, and uh, if they save their money and they have a house and they sell the house, they can go out and buy a $200,000 RV or, or borrow to get a $200,000 RV and come out and, and do full-time in their RV and travel around the country and never worry about money. But a lot of people are on fixed incomes or hard-scrabble digital businesses of some kind, and we don't have a lot of money, so we come with what we have. So there's varying levels of people that come in or come out. I don't hold any grudges against people who have higher levels of resources. They have what they have, and good for them. If they're doing this, if they're having a good time, who am I to say, hey, you shouldn't do it? There's no set way, which brings me to this individual that we were criticizing. And I just want to say that uh, I don't understand. So this guy, one of the things that he believes that this is uh, the nomad experience is the the hunter-gatherer uh, it's the expression of hunter-gatherer, the natural state of man, quote-unquote, in modern times, and that everyone should do this. Everyone should quit their jobs and come out to the desert. And I did a podcast out about it, and I said at one point, you know, if you do that, then there won't be anyone to support the BLM and the USDA that runs the parks and, uh, and everything else. So that's not the Forest Service. So the places that we used to be able to depend on for low-cost camping wouldn't exist. But then I thought, why does this have to be a movement? You know, why does this have to be a trend? Why does it have to be something that people are exhorted to do? You should do this. You should do that. And I say this because 
uh, I've been I've done several podcasts about uh, the economy, what I think is happening when the if, with the economy, in particular related to inflation and fuel prices, which you know I'm not going to get into in this podcast. But I believe that if we in, encounter severe trauma in the economy, which is quite possible these days, that um, there could be a, an influx of people with nowhere to go uh, coming out into the desert. And, in, and, and this person says, well, you're better off being homeless out in the desert than you are being homeless on the streets of San Francisco or Chicago or whatever. I'm not sure that coming out to the desert, as one person put it, 11,000 acres of open land in a place where there's mountain cats and, and, uh, and all sorts of scorpions and, and creatures is necessarily a good idea. For example, you don't want to be sleeping on the ground in the desert. That's not a good idea for a lot of reasons. Don't have time to go into that. But does this have to be some kind of a movement? And so when I do these podcasts, I'm not... I'm not trying to spark a movement. I'm just documenting something that is happening in our society and really it was really happening. I think it really got a kick in the ass during COVID because people were like, well, let's just buy an RV and go because then at least we can put the windows down and breathe fresh air and we don't have to be in a situation where uh, we're put, uh, we have to stay in the house with masks on. So we travel, it'll be a lot better. So there's that. Finally, I think it was the philosopher Rousseau who kind of believed that the natural state of human beings is the hunter-gatherer state, and that uh, the first fence and the first piece of sold real estate kind of impinged upon the hunter-gatherer state, quote-unquote, the natural state of man, versus Hobbes, who um, asserted that there has to be some kind of uh, controlling authority to maintain services and keep order. Um, I do not believe that the natural state of human beings is is hunter-gatherer. Certainly, there are benefits to the hunter-gatherer diet, which is essentially the keto diet, uh, so you you don't eat uh, refined sugars and refined uh, grains, and you don't eat any a, a lot of bread and carbs and things of that nature because you're you're busy gathering and eating meat and berries and vegetables and things like that. And I think there's a professor at the University of Nebraska that asserted probably the only thing that could be derived from the hunter gatherer uh, lifestyle back in the day, ten thousand years ago would have been the diet that's best for homo sapiens uh, because of the nature. So there's that. But I think human beings are intermodal. So we built cities because that was how you networked and planned and, and, and community, the sense of community, is what created cities built for specific purposes. And I don't have time to get into that in this podcast. But I think human beings can be lots of things. We can be hunter-gatherers, and we can also be farmers. And we can be industrialists, and we can be uh, technology people, and we can be philosophers, and we can be entertainers. We can do a lot of things intermodally and all at the same time. You can be a hunter-gatherer at the same time for six months, and then you can go back to your apartment in New York and put on your nice shoes and go out and have $100 dinners. I don't know where you're going to get the money to do that, but you know you could if you had the resources. So I don't view the urban environment as being negative. I do think that people who live in the urban environment these days, especially the suburban env- environment, 
and Main Street, small businesses and people who are in, you know, sort of the worker bees at companies, I think there's an awful lot of pressure on them these days that didn't exist 40 or 50 years ago. And I think development has created uh, a condition that you can push back against. And I, and, and I think this is the allure uh, of the last gasp, if you will, of the Wild West, where you can go out to the forests of Oregon, or you can go out to the deserts of Arizona and New Mexico and Colorado and Cal- Eastern California, and have this experience of being alone and being free and being able to walk around naked or uh, do what you want or be part of a community of people who are committed to doing what they want. Uh, and we joke about each other and we, we kid each other and we poke at each other, but we are all brothers in that sense. Uh, but I don't think that it, it's a statement and should be a statement against those people back there. Those people back there don't understand this life. I get it. But on the other hand, uh, I've not re- I the only person that has been super negative about what I'm doing is my sister because she thinks I've lost my mind and she thinks it's extremely dangerous. Uh, other than that, almost every family member, friend, whatever, has been extremely supportive and really jacked up about what we're doing. And I think, I think probably Mike has had that experience, even though he has also had family members that think he's crazy and lost his mind. Um, and I know that Robert has had the same or similar experience. And I, I know Bonnie had that experience. And I know my friend Tom had that experience. And, and my friend Sandy and Kathy and all the people that, uh, that I've dealt with over the past uh, two and a half years we've all had that conversation that the people don't necessarily understand this but then once you do it if you like it if it's if you're built for it if you desire it it's a wonderful experience so again not to judge it shouldn't be a movement human beings are intermodal it's a great experience we look fat and that's because we're eating too many we're eating too much rich food because we are not savages And I look forward to the campfire down on the flat. And, and thank you, Peter Santanello, for your videos and your wife. Thank you to your wife as well for the editing. And thanks for the video about life in the ambulance, which I'm going to watch now. And thank you guys who are listening to the Bob Davis Podcast and subscribing at iTunes and all that stuff. Before I go, got to mention my guys at 36 Lynn, the independently owned and operated refueling station in South Minneapolis. They can get you a better deal on fuel. This is the big thing because independently owned and operated refueling stations get a better deal on fuel. They pass the savings on to customers. So you can save a few cents on fuel, which adds up. Fuel prices are starting to go down. Oil prices are trading in a little bit lower channel. They're not in the plus 100 range, despite what all the people who are shorting oil and telling people to buy long are saying, don't even get me started about that. Um, things are getting a little bit easier. Diesel's going, you know, coming down a little bit. Things are getting a little bit better. But the other thing about 36 Lynn is the store. They have tons of locally sourced uh, food products in the store. That's one of the things that makes it great. Stop by, say hello, mention the Bob Davis podcasts, tell them that I said hello, uh, and of course, enjoy, enjoy, enjoy the store at 36 Lynn. 36 Lynn, they're the independently owned and operated refilling station in South Minneapolis at 36th Street South and Lindale Avenue South. That is it. So thanks for listening to Podcast 1098. We have one more podcast to do before we get to Podcast 1100. Thanks for listening to Podcast 1098, the Bob Davis Podcasts. (gasps) This version of you 